We had six kids. I had two wives to handle, and I had <laughs> and uh, my mama. And mama, right? <laughs> so it was me versus the world. And then we got, and, and half of them were in damn diapers. Yeah. And uh-huh. uh, and then the rain came, and you were stuck inside a <laughs> twelve hundred square foot little cabin, or you know, ranch cabin, and uh, and the alcohol floweth. I mean, because we got stuck there for what five days? It, it was a very long time. Five days. And the fifth day, I literally <laughs> was calling choppers, trying to figure out how to get out of there for real. And then I said, "Screw it, I'd rather die." And I tried to cross a low water crossing and try. That's <laughs> when you were like, "I'm gonna need a bigger truck." Yeah, that's exactly like a bigger truck. <laughs> yes, and like, I will never get stuck yeah. in a place like that ever again. Yes. Preventable. Preventable. I'm Josh Sigmund. And I'm Bryn Rouse. I'm a mortgage guy with a passion for helping people with their money and all things business. Bryn is my co-host. And I'm a marketing girl. I am literally obsessed with it. Oh, and Josh has showed me how to save money. Quite a bit, actually. Because of her obsession, I hired her to do my marketing. And we've worked together for 10 years. We launched Sigmund Sense in 2020, a podcast about money. It's a podcast that teaches people how to save more, give more, create wealth, and retire early. And we recorded and published 34 episodes. People liked it, and it was so fun. But most importantly, we helped people. So we're excited to announce we're doing a second season. And we're mixing things up. We're moving away from money talks to focus on all things business, leadership, management, team building, book reviews, hiring, firing, operations, motivating teams, lead generation, time management, personality profiling, closing skills, and of course money and marketing. We are inviting you to continue this journey with us and we want your input. What topics would you like to see covered? Email all of your ideas to our podcast email address, sigmundsense at gmail.com. And be sure to click that subscribe button when you visit our channels. You'll get notified when we drop new episodes. Are you ready? Season two, getting down to business. Welcome to Sigmund Sense. We are back, Sigmund Sense, once again. Sigmund Sense. And the question on the table today, so welcome back, viewers and listeners. And we're going to talk today about uh, lots of people consider opening companies. Yeah. Small or large entrepreneurial spirit right welcome them to the united states um and it's a it's a really cool idea and and concept and there's lots of things people should be thinking about before they do so Mm -hmm. uh and most people find out the hard way after they've started that they with a little bit more planning up front um they could have kept themselves out of some grease and kept their business afloat because the reality is most small businesses don't make it like the vast majority of businesses do not make it don't make it yeah three three years is kind of a pivotal year you make it, you know, they always say a third's going, a third's coming, a third's in it for life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anything that requires, you know, commission sales or uh, or literally a company, a brand new company, it's it's all about revenue, top line, but money management. But at the same time, you can have a great widget and no salespeople to sell it. Right. And you can have great salespeople with crappy operations and bad widgets, right? Yeah. So and you lots know, to be talking about. There is a lot to talk about. And I find myself coming up with lots of ideas and some of them are crappy yep. and some of them may not be crappy. However, without knowing the right questions to ask myself, it makes it or the things to consider, it makes it hard. Daunting. Yeah. To even have liftoff. Yep. And who knows? I could literally be sitting on like the next greatest the best thing. idea of all, of all time. Right. And so, um, so I think it's good on both sides, right? Yep. Like there's people that pull the trigger too quickly and there's some that will never pull the trigger. 
So right. hopefully this will help kind of yeah, so guide people through, along. You know, there's lots of articles written. And so when this one was asked of us to cover, you know, I've opened several businesses. I've got lots of corporations and LPs personally, and uh, I'm involved in other organizations as well. And so I was asked, you know, basically, what would you be, um, what would you be suggesting for people to think about before somebody opens up a company? And so, just like what I hope everyone else does, you know, you can research stuff. So from personal experience, got some stuff in there. From stuff I read before this, uh, I'll share those as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's plenty of resources online uh, that, that anyone can go to. Right. Uh, and if if it's said about 50 times the same way, it's probably right. And if it's said probably one true. more time and it, you can't find it a second time, it's probably something to, to reconsider. Yeah. Um, but I really, I really think that, um, you know, I, Here's something I've said in several episodes, and I think it's so true, is that a vision without a plan is as worthless as a plan without execution, right? Mm-hmm. So what you just described is both ends of the spectrum. There's plenty yeah. of people that start immediately, not think things through. So they're executing, and they're still screwed because there was no real plan and no, no real plan. vision. It was just sure. like, I know this will work. I'm going to do it, yeah. right? Um, and on the flip side, there's people that have this amazing vision of a company or a service or a product that they want to take to market, and there is no plan behind it, or even they've gone so far as to create a plan, but they never fire the shot Mm -hmm. and start, you know, start moving forward. And I think that they both have their detriments. Mm -hmm. Um, And so somewhere in the middle of of working through it is is the key. And I think that it all begins with proper research, right? Um, Whether you like research or not, just taking the time to do a deeper dive about a specific idea is always, in my mind, the first step. Um, so do you think that includes, um, well, I'm, I'm assuming you do, but uh, the competition? Competition, for sure. So one thing that I find really interesting mm-hmm. is, um, okay, so my <laughs> my most recent idea, which you already know about because yep. I told you, you need, we need to do it together, was the batting cages. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so many people will say, well, that's already been done. Right. There's already, th- somebody already has that or that mm-hmm. thing exists. And obviously in the idea of batting cages, mm-hmm. yes, of course they exist. I know that. Um, but, you know, some of the ideas that we had or there I happen had. happen to be a few McDonald's too, by the way. Right. And so, but I always find that interesting is like, that's what people go to first. Oh, well, that already exists. Yeah. Well, good. That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that it means that there's a proven market. There's a proven need market. Here, right? Yes, yeah. yes. But yeah, so when I think about research, there's three, four, five things that come to mind. You know, for sure, one of them is um, competition. But there's there's an asterisk here. Uh, I've listened to several monster salespeople and company owners, uh, Grant Cardone type of people, that don't believe in checking out competition because there is no competition to what I'm going to do, right? Yes. So there are the, there is the extreme and mm-hmm. the belief system that you're going to do this new thing better than everything else is, uh, is, is fabulous in some cases. But also I think that taking a deep breath to, re- to recognize that there is competition. What is the price of the competition? Yes. What are the value propositions of the competition? Are you unique in any way, shape, or form? Mm-hmm. If you're not unique, if there's no perceived value, then you, the way you typically win is through price. If the price is the lowest, how many more units you have to sell to be profitable? Mm-hmm. Uh, all that comes in. You also look at who are the big players are, right? Like, uh, I'm sure that now that we realize that a- Amazon and Al- Alibaba both work, that there's some IT people and supply chain people that are like, shit, let's like do that. 
Yeah. Okay, well, that's great, but understand that the marking dollars behind Amazon <laughs> is a not insurmountable, <laughs> but you've got an uphill battle to gain yes. any market share before you get your ass kicked in that space, yeah. as an example. It doesn't mean that there's not another space that can't be made, but recognizing who the real players of the space are yeah. is super important. Um, I think that understanding of how the industry actually works is a big deal, especially when you get into services. So, for example... I just speak about mortgages because, you know, it, it takes a while for people to understand that there is no such thing as rate of the day, right? So There's no such thing as a rate, rate of the day. Of the day yep. Right. So people will say, well, uh, I called this bank and their rate was blank. Mm -hmm. There is no rate of the day. If it's a FHA loan, a, a VA loan, a conventional loan, whether it's Freddie Mac or Fannie Mae, a jumbo loan, a construction loan, turns out that uh, all the, the first ones, the VA, FHA, conventional ones are all sold and backed by mortgage-backed securities in the open market, right? So if I enter the space and just think I'm gonna charge a rate, well, then you're you're screwed to start with, right? Mm -hmm. When you under start to understand how the bond market is securitized and how these loans are sold and packaged and where the money is made in a transaction and um, what fees are reasonable and necessary versus what fees are considered uh, junk fees or gouge fees that need to be removed if yeah. you wanna stay around, um, understanding how many employees, or sorry, how many loans per full-time employee, what the metric is to just stay afloat, right. um, uh, what the compliance costs are, uh, what the requirements <laughs> with compliance are yeah. to make sure you don't go to freaking jail. Like, it'd be really great to do the research to really <laughs> understand the industry that you're in. Yeah. And I, I laugh about this because I've got a, 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 I'll call him a good friend of mine at this point, realtor, um, that has a tremendous amount of business. Like mm -hmm. the guy is a phenom. He's doing a uh, hundred closings a month. There's not many of them in the nation. And he's come to me and not one time, but multiple times saying, Hey, when are, wh uh, why shouldn't I just start my own mortgage company? And I say, yeah. well, do you understand the compliance risks? No. Okay. That's why. There's a big right? One. Like yeah. start there. Like, are you, uh, do you understand what the risks are? Do you understand how to mitigate the risks? you understand what the profit is? Do you know, understand how to maximize the profits? Do you understand where the money is made and where it's lost? If not, that's why you shouldn't start a mortgage company. Right. Um, and so you take that across any spectrum. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. Like, are those, I mean, obviously there's businesses and industries that are way more risky than sure. others. Well, liability is one thing that people uh, misassess. We'll get into that. It's actually one of the things on the list is risk assessment. Okay. But, but yeah, I mean, what you're saying is, is spot on. You know, you think about like, uh, I'm a 20-year-old kid, and I want to start a lawn service. Mm -hmm. Seems pretty freaking straightforward. See, yeah. Right? Like, it's go buy a lawnmower from Lowe's, mm -hmm. go knock on some doors, hand out some flyers, and ask for referrals, and start charging. And w But the question is, what do you charge? What's expected? What's right. the risk? And how many loans, or how many loans, how many <laughs> yards can you actually do in a day? Right. How many hours are you willing to work? Walking up to a job, and, and you know, you think about it, there is no playbook for this for in most cases. Correct. So you look at a yard that looks kind of normal-ish, maybe oversized, and uh, how do you price it? How do you price so that? So do you price it because you walk in the neighborhood and you're like, oh, shit, these are million-dollar homes. I'm just going to gouge these people. Or are you pricing it by the time that you're going to take this to in the yard? Because mm -hmm. there's million-dollar houses that are zero-scaped, which literally means, for the most part, it's rocks and it doesn't require grass. Yeah. But there's a little grass patch. 
you go tell that that million dollar homeowner <laughs> this price that you're charging the one acre of grass yeah. lot. Yeah, you're you're toast, right? Same thing can be said for uh, real estate photography. You know, Rady, oh, do, yeah. Rady does some photography or is a real estate photographer, and you know, most photographers charge by the by the property, but really the way to charge is by square footage. Because let me tell you, photographing a million dollar home and a two hundred thousand dollar home are complete two completely different projects. Four thousand square feet, two thousand square feet. Two different projects all the mm -hmm. way around for how, how long it takes to actually photograph the property to the times of days that you're gonna you know a, a million dollar property you're gonna want twilights and daytime pictures and the amount of time it takes to edit because the rooms are bigger the there's more pictures there's more space yep. it's a completely different animal yep. so yeah that's a great example very actually. very different but here's the point so it sounds mentally exhausting to somebody like me that's like which wants to go 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 yeah um, <laughs> but skipping the step of doing appropriate research up front is very costly and if you go down um you know there's an episode we did in season one about how many ways i figured out to lose money yes. right and there's a lot and, and i'll tell you i've lost a lot of money with a lot of projects over time and most always if i look back it's because i didn't do enough question asking enough research enough deep deep diving before i just said yes and those are the ones that cost me. So, yeah. you and know, don't like you think that comes from the excitement of? Oh yeah. Of well, I'm a uh, I'm an optimist by nature, so yeah. of course we're going to make money on this deal, right? Right. And of course I can trust you. Uh, you know, here's here's a great example that we're even guilty of sometimes, and I think that anyone that's in an employer employee relationship uh, will understand. So, most companies will do some sort of background check, right? A mm -hmm. uh, few companies will ask for references. Fewer companies will actually call the actually damn references. Call them, yeah. Right? So just because they turned in these three names of these three pre previous employers that said, yeah, they call them, doesn't mean they're the real name, the real number, or that they're going to have something nice to say about them. It's yeah. astonishing. You know, when you think about how much, like c if you called up an employer and said, hey, out of curiosity, so-and-so is re um, relocating to Texas, and uh, what do you think? And the answer was, that ch chick is batshit crazy. Yeah. You are, are, is she really using me as a reference? That's insane. That happens. Yeah. That like really happens yeah. in real life. Now, I, I had a former employee that used me as a reference and I literally told the person, uh, just because I don't want to destroy somebody's future, I would just recommend that you call the other references. Call the other references. That was it. I don't want to talk badly, but I had nothing good to say about this person. Right. And so this is also an interesting thought too. I've had people call and say, you know, do you mind if I put you down as a reference? And the answer is yes, that's fine. Um, and the assumption is that I'm going to say nice things about them. And I could probably find nice things to say about them. Any, about anyone. Um, but when, when a new potential employer calls, I now feel a real obligation. Responsibility. Yes. To say the truth, yeah. even with its blemishes. And so point is like yes call the references and even though like you said I love that you said I, I don't want to destroy this person but when you're put on the spot well it's your name online too it is like your it's, credibility and I and we know that the reason they put us down and in some cases may have even asked us like hey are you good with and will you say nice things about me <laughs> the answer is yes but then when the questions asked it just becomes a very different Yep. A very different feeling. So all this to be said, I don't need to beat this one to death. I just think that uh, when you're when you're thinking about taking the serious step, 
of opening a, a business, right? Which is a, levi- a living, breathing entity yeah. that has more chance of failing than of succeeding. That before you start spending shit tons of money and making uh, real big uh, assumptions about sales and need, just do the research and, and take the time up front to think it through uh, as many different ways you possibly can. Uh, and so I'll kind of close with what I would always do uh, and what I've started to do a better job of is, uh, so I interviewed a couple billionaires a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was fascinating. One of the things that they all had in common, because I was trying to figure out, like, why are these people billionaires? And, um, and so you just, you know, ask lots of questions, whether it's over lunch or coffee or pizza. And anyways, the one of the things that stuck out to me the most, well, two, I'll tell you two things. The two things that they all had in common, all of them, without exception, they were all still married to the same person. Ooh. Really interesting. So yeah. the five billionaires I, I talked to, they were all married to the same person for lots and lots and lots and lots of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing that they all had in common, which is also interesting to me, is that they all had a no man. No oh. being like, you, my, like, I'm an optimist. I'm a billionaire, right? I'm not a billionaire. I'm, saying that I'm speaking for them. I'm a billionaire, so I see the best in everything. Of course, we can make money here and here and here. It is just sure. it, For me, it's always worked out as a billionaire. That's my biggest fault too. Biggest, the yeah. you're typically what you're best at is what you're also what you're weakest at. Yeah. And so they all have a quote unquote no man, and the no man's job is literally to tell you why you shouldn't do it. Poke holes in like, the idea. Like, and uh, like assume that uh, this is your money. Find ways for me to say no. Like point yeah. out the weaknesses or what questions am I missing or what questions have I not even asked. It's right? so interesting. It's very interesting. And there's a there's a concept uh, the Israelis do. Um, and I, w- I looked this up. It's the 11th man or 12th man. I remember we looked this up a long time ago. Oh, yes. 12th man. I think it's the 12th man. I want to say it's the 12th. So I think it's called the 12th man. Some, uh, somebody from Israel will correct me, but I think it's the 12th man. And what the 12th man is, is that, you know, you go through the 40s, 50s, and 60s when Israel's a new state. And um, they got beat up a lot. Like, they won all their wars. But shit, every neighbor around them and people that lived within the borders were kicking their ass, right? And so... What was interesting is this concept of what's called groupthink, and the groupthink was, uh, well, shit, um, what, you know, if it's the same concept of too big to fail from the early 2000s, that if it's so crazy of an idea, more than likely it's not going to happen, so the groupthink is, is that's not real. So what the job of the 12th man, we'll call it, is within this top council of security at Israel, in Israel, is to, uh, is to literally... Take a step back, and if you got 11 people unanimously saying, ah, there's no way Syria is going to invade us. They, they'd be crazy. There's no way that Egypt is going to attack us. You know, they've got a peace treaty with us. There's no way that Iraq or Iran would dare to, to come in with, with, with the United States having our back. The job of the 12th man is to assume it's for sure happening. So now okay. my job is to prove, prove it. it's going to happen. That's, That's the no-man men- yeah. uh, mentality. And so if you think about this and apply it towards the research aspect of, okay, I'm pretty damn good at what I do, yeah. and this is the best fucking idea ever. I dreamed it up over drinks at three in the morning. <laughs> right. uh, tell me why I'm going to fail. <laughs> yes. And it's not that it's to be talked out of it. It's to listen to other ways of view the same problem. And make well, sure and that like you said, it'll bring up things you haven't thought about. Right. So at least you then have the ability to kind of brainstorm right. solutions to those potential problems right. or find the answer to right. the things you haven't answered. Prey is not killed by the predators that it <laughs> sees. 
prey is killed by the predators it doesn't it see. Don't see. And so it's the no man's job to say, yeah. hey, this is what you're missing. Because yeah. what missing is typically what takes, takes out business. So yeah. I think we'll stop on that, uh, that spot as far as research goes. The second thing that uh, that then becomes question is, okay, let's assume that, yeah, this is a, uh, there's, I understand the market. I understand the industry. I understand mm-hmm. the competitors. I understand the pricing. I understand uh, the profitability. Um, the next question is, who's our target market? Like, and this really goes into demographics, which is more your side of things than mine. Yeah. Uh, but it's the marketing aspect of yeah. who's our ideal client. Who's, yeah. Because everyone is not your client for sure. Right. So don't try to serve everyone. Try to mm-hmm. figure out who the specific ideal client is, mm-hmm. and you can short uh, short step the how fast you can get to a profitable company right. by going directly to the source. So I'll just give you a a, a small example, and I'd love to because you're the marketing expert. I'd love to know what your thoughts around this are. Um, but when when you think about like who needs something, um, understanding like the book Raving Fans. I remember. Uh, if you've not read the book Raving Fans by Ken Blanchard, it's a, bi- a book my business has been built off of mm-hmm. uh, for all these years. But the idea behind it is to find out what you want, then find out what the client wants, and if the two shall meet, to deliver plus 1%. Yes. Okay? So what a lot of people will do is they, they create the, the what they want, right? Uh, and that's fine because there's probably some other people that want the same thing. On the flip side, people create businesses about what the client wants, which the client's always right is fine, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that you can best serve them, right? So if you can create a business that that you can identify, this is what I want as a business owner, this is what my clients want, and it looks like we want the same thing, then I can work on the world-class experience to stand out in this space. That's what we're looking for as a whole, right? Um, But when I go back to understanding the target market and the audience, really, what we're really thinking about then becomes, um, well, shit, Uh, let's just say that I develop a computer software, okay? And this computer software could be used in 101 companies. But I happen to be in the mortgage space, so this computer software best serves the the mortgage space because guess what? I'm great at mortgages, (laughs) right? Right? So we build a computer computer software that's specific to mortgages. Well, who would buy that? And instead of just putting it out to the world, identifying who wants to be in this space and write a big Mm -hmm. check for it, that would be good to know. Yeah. Because then it's three or four or five phone calls to find out is, hey, guys, before we invest a lot of money in this, do you want to buy this? If so, what does it look like? Mm -hmm. Um, But that goes back to research first, then identify the target market and the audience, because we're trying to really now hone down on what will then become later on part of the business plan and strategy, yeah. which we'll get into. But let's work on the target marketing and the audience. What, what would you be thinking about at this time? So we talked about the idea of indoor facilities. Okay. So what does, what is the benefit of indoor facilities? So first things first is you have baseball teams that people pay a lot of money. Especially in Texas. In Texas to be a part of. Okay. Select teams, little league teams. Yes. uh, High school and middle school teams. Like you do all three at the same time. All three at the same time. And then you make all-stars maybe. Yes. And then you make all-stars, right? Well, when weather strikes, how much of a season can you lose or how much practice time can you lose but still have to play the tournament? So, or – if you're paying all this money and you get rained out of three of the 
six tournaments that you paid for up front, mm-hmm. how does that work, right? Yep. So there's a huge hole. So if we say, okay, we're solving a problem of indoor, f- like of not being able to play a tournament because we can't play on fields that are muddy without ruining them, or we can't play if it rains during practices, but we still have to play our tournaments. Now we're set up to be in a worse position overall, which is again, not what select people are playing for. They're playing yep. to win. Um, that's a huge opportunity to then go in, sell your product yep. to now a target audience of select baseball yeah. team owners. And, right? so, and so now you'd start sniffing around if you're on baseball teams, like you start talking to the coaches in the little league the and say, how much of a demand do you have uh, for a inside a seed mm-hmm. space to work out? To work out. And what would that be worth to you compared to renting out a field that's rained on 50% of the time? And would this help you recruit and or retain oh, interesting. more people? Yep. Because as a parent, if that was brought to my attention and now I'm comparing teams, well, one of the benefits of being on our team is that we You're have... You're really going to practice 300 days this year. Absolutely. Not so and ish 180. Correct. <laughs> and we're going to sign up to play all these tournaments, but really we're only going to get to play a third of them or a fourth of them or whatever. That's pretty dramatic, but we're not going to get to play all the tournaments yep. that we signed up for and you paid for. Mm-hmm. We're eliminating costs and you're maximizing every dollar you're spending on practice time, skills, mm-hmm. and so forth and so on. So going back to, I started with what what do they need that they don't know they need or how to use it that would that's where that would fall in Hmm. presenting that to the coaches as a way to recruit and retain so i think that's a way to to obviously you know think about your target market but when i'm thinking about okay so target market uh we're opening batting cages who uses them Right. What age group, what demographics, what uh, echo socioeconomic yes. uh, field of people? Mm-hmm. Who um, goes, right? Where's the closest one? Exactly. Geographically? Geographically, where's the closest one? Which is really, you know, where the idea came from is, you know, I'm driving really far to batting cages and to go and sit there and be super hot <laughs> with no snacks and no Wi-Fi and all the things that as a mom, you know, I want. So, um because you're bougie. Because I'm bougie. I'm bougie. Um, and I want to watch my boys play. That's the other thing. Like, there's plenty of parents that are perfectly cool with dropping off and either going to run an errand or whatever. And sometimes I do that as well. But for the most part, I really enjoy to watch them. You know, I want to see what they're doing. I want to see how they're progressing. And I want a comfortable space to do that in. So, um, and I would like for it to be close to my house because then you could really maximize you know, because you understand time, though, <laughs> I do understand time. I do understand time. And, you know, they um, going to uh, target market and location as well. Um, the, this particular batting cages and probably most of them have membership opportunities that you can sign up mm-hmm. for and um, all of that. I would never buy one of those because of location. Right. And so this all really sense. goes to. Um, understanding what you want. So I heard you say direct, like, so let's say I was the owner and you're the client. What I heard that you want as a customer is AC, Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. close to your house-ish. Yeah. Um, I'm sure price close, I- you know, reasonable. Yeah. 
Um, but it, but you understand the value of actually practicing five days a week instead yes. of one and a half days w- during bad weather seasons. Right. Um, so that's what you want. What I want is to be profitable. What I want is is to bri- provide a good experience. Um, and now we've got to figure out at this point, well, does it make sense to spend, how much does it spend to, to cost how to buy acreage right. and to build a facility that's big enough to house that's indoor baseball? Indoor baseball, right. right. And, yeah. and what does that look like? Because it might not work. But it again, this goes back to don't buy the fucking land. Don't buy the land. <laughs> until you've gone through this exercise. Yes. This is a great, ex- this is a perfect example. This right? is a perfect example. Because yeah. the concept is clean, <laughs> but... If but it's going to cost four million bucks to buy the land right. and two million bucks to build a facility, and I'm only going to get fifteen bucks a kid right. per month, because that's a whole lot of kids that got to come through there just to pay me back. That is a like a pro- whole lot of kids, and, and so I don't know if I want that many kids around. I mean, <laughs> and then you have to think, okay, so maybe the idea is truly not the individual baseball player. Maybe it is the team, the organization, yeah, the, organization the school. Itself. And so that's what volleyball is going to do. That's why volleyball in Texas is so expensive. Right. It's ridiculous, by the way. And I don't recommend it. <laughs> don't say that. You I know, do. you, you know, you love watching. Your I love play. my daughter and I'll do <laughs> what makes my daughter happy. I love my wife. I'll do what makes my wife happy. I hate the fact that volleyball overcharges for what it actually does, especially select sports. Yeah. Select I said that on the record. I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's a totally different experience. Let's mm-hmm. be clear. You're right. And that's what you're paying for. Mm, okay. <laughs> It's um, okay. If my wife and daughter are happy, I'm happy. Happy wife, happy life, right? So, um, but I think that goes into your target market too. If you know that you cannot charge enough um, to make money off of the individual player and then the focus has to be on organizations and teams, that's mm-hmm. a totally different marketing plan in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all of that goes into consideration. Why do you have this yeah. smirk on your face? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm actually thinking about the thing that makes me angry, which is, okay, so <laughs> let me explain myself because I am smiling. You caught me. You read me like a book. Did you see this too? Is that what that was? Okay. I want my daughter to wear freaking basketball shorts, not the damn volleyball Why? bullshit shorts. Why? so cute. Uh, yeah, on a 22-year-old. <laughs> not a high schooler or a middle schooler or an elementary schooler. Like, come on, people. There's no. It is kind of an interesting. It is kind of an interesting it's uniform. Bullshit is what it is. It's not a uniform. It's a bathing suit. So yes, well, I got two daughters. Yes, I'm a dad that cares. <laughs> I would prefer that volleyball wore freaking moomoos, and then I'd be happy paying whatever the I fuck they want to charge. I wonder why they do wear the little shorts. It's marketing. It makes no sense. <laughs> like the second that Olympic volleyball and and uh, sand volleyball went into like g strings. <laughs> People started watching, paying attention, and, and going to the, the sporting events. Because sand Taking nothing away from the athleticism of those right. ladies, which is insane. Which is insane, sure. But it's, it's the truth, right? Yeah. So, sand volleyball. Especially bra- Brazilian uh, <laughs> volleyball players. Holy crap. <laughs> Keep going. What is sand volleyball players wear? Nothing. They wear they're we, a they wear nothing. suit? Or is it like they a literally They wear a spro- sports bra. Yeah. And they wear a thong. I'm not joking. Like, basically, if like you're... Like cheekies? The cheeks floweth. <laughs> they are there for all to see. And I'm like, tell, explain to me what the functionality... Of, like, I understand... So, what I'm hearing wearing, is... <laughs> I understand wearing a freaking helmet in baseball. I understand wearing shin guards in soccer. I do not understand a G-string in volleyball. Functionally, this makes no sense. They Put some fucking shorts on my daughter. That's freely. fine. Okay. I love you all. Back to back to our episode. So the target market, I want you to hear me clearly, is not <laughs> fathers. 
is for volleyball that's for sure (laughs) and that's just it's so funny you said that the demographics of the volleyball sport in texas is moms yeah it's moms that want to I don't want to insult anyone. It's a cool sport. It's and I cool love that sport, it's a female sport. But it, it, but it is moms, moms, moms pushing their kids to get in early and there stay There is late. no it's male volleyball leagues, right? No, that's not true. There, okay, there Dude, are. There's some volleyball m- males that like jump 30 okay. feet in the air and punch it straight down. Like there's a le- Okay, so I don't. Okay. So there's like leagues. Oh, yeah. Sand volleyball is a real thing. But for males. But for but for what you see a ton of in Texas, it's it's a lot of, uh, of it's, all, it's female court female volleyball right. leagues. Yeah. But there's not a male um, middle school volleyball team. No. Right. Uh, or uh, high school no. male volleyball team. No, there's not. Right. No, you, you there's sand, but it's not but it, yeah, a totally school sanctioned sport. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. It's very interesting. It it's is. Interesting they said that because there is baseball and softball. There's it's yeah. like the only sport that isn't both there's male tennis, and female. Both. Yeah, you're right. Which is very interesting. Now you have male and females playing football, actually, this time. Mm-hmm. There's soccer. Is, but yeah, that's interesting. It is interesting. And huh. I think that is... We digress. I think that... Oh, I don't know if it is digression. I think it's like things that you have to think about if you want to be the owner of a volleyball company. Yeah, or well, for sure better understand what your target market is. And it isn't. It's, understand- it's funny. So, um, the yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a whole different episode. Yeah. Because I can... I can for sure <laughs> go off on a bad tangent, but this is such a truth to everyone that's listening, right? When it really comes down to it, uh, failure to really understand what your clients want, what your clients' needs are, mm-hmm. and how you can fill them is exactly that. It's a failure. It's a non-start for business. Yeah. So because it's a great idea for you, doesn't right. mean it's doesn't a mean great it's idea for the market, for right. the location, for the cost, for the X. Right. And so then... From here, though, let's just assume that. So I like going back to my. Uh, I like going back. Let's go to lawn care. Lawn, lawn care. Lawn care. Yeah, okay. uh, because not everyone mows their lawn, and there's absolutely a need for lawn care um, nationwide. Absolutely. Uh, and the uh, the uh, going back to what you said at the beginning, a lot of people won't even start because they're like, "Well, shit, there's a million and one right. uh, lawn care guys." A and million. Right. Right. So, I would argue that there's like zero to one that are any good so let me explain what i mean by this right so i've got a lot i've had yard care for a lot of years i actually enjoy yard uh, Mm -hmm. doing lawn work i like mowing the yard i've got asthma and in texas when you get involved in the the allergy seasons you die yeah so i can't do it i like my eyes swell shut it sucks yeah but i enjoy it regardless um if i had a yard guy that would actually treat my yard like theirs, mm-hmm. I would pay him five times what I've paid everyone else. See, and that's what, so this five is really times. interesting because to me, not knowing anything about yard care, it is, does the grass look shorter and nicer when they leave? Interesting. So, so let me, let but me it explain. would be cool if somebody would explain to me like the Perfect. importance of it, right? Well, let me give you some examples, okay? So, uh, I'm not a lawn expert, uh, but it turns it turns out that weeds do grow in yards. So looking at some weeds before you cut it and saying, hey, we need to do some weed and feed. I'm going to go ahead and spread 30 bucks of weed and seed just to make sure that we kill the, the weeds before they fucking seed out and, and multiply mm-hmm. would be great. Uh, I have beds. So don't just mow and leave if the beds have weeds in them. 
do something about it, yeah, like dude. spray them or pull yeah. them. I don't care. And if it means charge me, that's okay too. If uh, the the real thing that I fired four or five yard guys over the years about and pull people, by the way, is how many times they break something and just don't even say anything. Don't even say anything. So they, they'll mow over because there's – there, Unfortunately, the people I've had in the past are so damn lazy that they will get a driving lawnmower and roll over my edging – Oh. And mow the edging. So the edging is broken, destroyed, yeah. you know, or a sprinkler head is literally cut off or uh, the green box heads for irrigation yeah. are cut in half and laying somewhere else in the yard. Ugh. And so annoying. I only find out because I see my dog running around with right. freaking wires in their mouth. I'm like, why do you have <laughs> wires in your mouth? And, they, and because they didn't address the damn issue, my dogs end up eating the wires out of the box because the box was open which cost me thousands of dollars to repair my irrigation because my yard God. guy just didn't say, hey, I screwed up, dude. No problem. I'll pay for it. Thanks for being honest. Right? Right. So going back to uh, just having somebody that treat, and this is for all businesses, uh, dress you like you would dress yourself if yeah. you're in the clothing business. Uh, um, put you in a working automobile, not a fucking uh, lemon. <laughs> W- it would be great, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, sell me a house that is fully Perfect. functioning, yeah. not has all these hidden issues. Right. Just that going down that line. Buy. Oh, dude. Uh, yeah. and, and that goes back to it's not price. It's, uh, it's not value. It's perceived value most of the time. But yeah. if you can bring value, it's a whole different level, yeah. right? So where, do we l- where does this leave us? Well, this leaves us at the next step, which is really now you've got to decide, okay, what is the uh, – business plan look like but starting from the very top and we're going to do a whole series on this um but you really have to identify what the purpose vision and strategy mm-hmm. of the company is uh this can be a 15 minute exercise exercise with you if you're a lawn guy like it's pr- pretty easy right right it could be a five week exercise with a corporation uh or um or uh, you know a group of people that need to you know all be aligned mm-hmm. but not understanding what the purpose of the company is not understand what the vision the long-term vision is mm-hmm. it's kind of like driving in a direction with, with a, a map, blind yeah. well with a, without a map or a blindfold yeah right so why are we doing this who are and we what's serving what's uh what's different about you sure one absolutely thi- one thing that i love about uh what you designed for the sigmund team is here's the biggest complaints of the mortgage industry and identifying those really clearly and then developing solutions around them. Yeah. And it seems very clearly at age 23, 15, yes. 18 years ago. And it seems so logical and probably cause it is super logical, but also missed so often. Like we're really um, trying to get creative with what we're going to do differently. Yeah. But if I'm, going to start a lawn company then maybe asking hey why'd you fire your last five lawn people great question like here's and, the and pull companies too and pull, here's the biggest complaints of lawn care is that things are broken without without any mention of it um that my weed that people they uh, don't show up when they're supposed to, when, when they're, they're supposed su- to be there they're not supposed yeah they don't show up on which time. let me explain that because it's like if you're s- the reason i have my lawn guy come on thursday is because my pool guy comes on Friday. So if my cool co- pool guy comes on Friday morning and the lawn guy comes on Friday afternoon, they blow <laughs> the fucking the, yeah. grass into <laughs> my clean pool. 
Okay, so go. basics. Like this mm-hmm. is a this is actually an important concept. So I love that. It is. It is. So and what's the would be the third one? Um, the third one would be that complaints. It's well, but you mentioned weeds and weed and the care care of the actual lawn and or tailoring understanding it. of the fauna. Yeah. Flora. 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 flora, flora yeah. Fauna. Flora. Um. So, you know, knowing those three things, Mr. Customer, Mr. Prospect, like, here's my value proposition. Here's the biggest complaints that I have found in my industry. So here's exactly what I do differently. I will absolutely be here on time or I pay the differ. I I pay for your next three lawn services or whatever. Something Mm -hmm. very extravagant that shows I'm serious about it. Um. I will always make sure that if there's anything broken and let's be honest, things do happen when I'm, when I'm caring for your lawn, if there's ever anything broken, um, I will 100% address it and come up with a plan to repair it or pay for it. If there's something that's missed that I didn't know was broken and you tell me about it, we will absolutely come up with a plan, whatever that looks like. Um, and the third thing is I will truly care for your lawn, whether that looks like pesticides or whatever, um, ants, ant piles, weeds, those things I will absolutely it's care for. It's just not a haircutting business, right? Correct. It's like I'm not going to show yeah. up, chop, 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 and leave. Yep. Um, that would pique my interest because I would Dude, I've never thought about somebody this. please create that company and come <laughs> yeah. to my house. I will be your first company. Dude. Charge me whatever you want. Whatever. If right? you can actually perform those three things, I am in. And by the way, I'm a great referrer. I will fill your plate. I'm telling you, I hope some kid, one of my neighbors is listening to this right now. I will for sure (laughs) hire you and you can have it and I will fill you up. (laughs) Maybe I'll do it. (laughs) I get really excited. (laughs) It's it's just so interesting to me. It is interesting. But so this goes back to, so we started with, you know, hey, everyone else is doing it. There's no money in that. No, there is. There is. Just do it well. Do it well. Do it differently. Be clear about what your your proposition is. But this is Mm -hmm. the purpose vision and strategy so what's the purpose of a lawn company my purpose is that i want uh, all my clients to have a chance of winning the the yard of the month club oh my god i love that fuck yes i just ca- created a company absolutely uh, what's uh, my how about this how about this yard people go to the hoas because hoas want their yards in every neighborhood to look really and nice at some point they can find you if you don't absolutely so what a selling point to say hey I'm the preferred vendor for your HOA, and because you live in this neighborhood, I'm going to give you a discount. Mm -hmm. But then now the same person is doing the yards for everybody. or or Which decreased cost because of travel. Absolutely. You do all four neighbors at the same time. Do that neighborhood. Now everybody is uniform, looking the same, same quality. They're all, you know, have their weeds treated. Um, But that's the idea of, you know, don't go after the which is a totally different conversation but don't go after the individual house like find ways to like get business bulk business. totally different but yeah totally different well not necessarily uh, because that goes back to the strategy i said purpose That's vision true. strategy so in the, str- in the strategy piece what we're talking about is um you know uh let me let me tell you rule number one of business do you remember what rule, num- num- rule number of one of business is make a profit yeah <laughs> like that is the rule of business make a profit so the strategy has got to be uh, because let's be honest, there's a lot. So, like, so let's say you're a 20 year old kid listening, and you're about to spend 2,500 bucks on a riding lawnmower, yeah. 1,500 bucks on a trailer, mm-hmm. 500 bucks on weed eaters and gas cans and oil cans and things like that. 
there's an investment up front. Yeah. So we're not profitable month one when we get our first paycheck, right? We have to start paying back our debt. We got to right. get the stuff paid off. So part of the strategy is how are we going to be viable to make it long enough to make this business last, which mm. uh, in the next Very episode, good. we're going to be talking about a lot about. Um, but I want to go one more step. I know we're running a little lo- longer than we typically do. I know it's about 45 minutes already. And um, But I do think that the next piece of this will kind of s- tighten up this beginning stage. So yeah. You know, you're going to research it. You're going to make sure you understand things. You're going to look at your target market. You're going to decide what your purpose and your vision and your strategy is, which we'll spend a couple hours on that piece at a different time. But now, like, what do you do? And I'll, I'll tell you that legal structures do matter. And this is something that's missed. Uh, mm. People don't understand it. Yeah. And it, it's uh, and why would you? If you've never done it before, right. why would you? And so this is something where I would ac- absolutely say don't do uh, do legalzoom.com or whatever mm-hmm. like don't just figure out figure it out and start you know file this is where i actually think it's really important to consult a cpa and 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 a uh, attorney okay. specific to businesses to tell you based on the industry based on their experience what's the best structure and why okay so uh, and i'm not an attorney but uh, things to consider when you go through this are um you know there's some basic stuff that you have to look at like are you going to do an LLC, or are you going to do an LP, and why? Uh, uh, and so LLC stands Limited for liability company versus a uh, limited, partnership. limited partnership. Right. So, and, and how they are forced to distribute money is different. Like an S-corp, has all, all profit has to be distributed annually. Uh, other ones can withhold it. So if you've got partners, it matters. Is this a, uh, I'm putting in money, and I might never see it back, or if there's any profit at all, it's get distributed equally between the partnership uh, as determined, you know, uh, you got to look at licensing. Um, in some industries, you got to be uh, or being bonded. People don't understand that, but I will pay more for a yard person that's bonded or uh, than a yard person that's not, okay. uh, because there's money on hand. If there's if there's a if there's a major defection, I can go get money from the, you know they're they're a bonded agent. Okay. Um, you have to file a uh, EIN number, an employer identification number, because you're going to set up a separate set of tax returns, mm. which will flow into, and most especially sole proprietors, will flow into your uh, your personal tax returns. But you still have to have a EIN number, much which is basically a social security number for your business, for your business. Okay. so that all income and, and, and expenses tied to this business are, are uniform. Um, you might have to do articles of incorporation, uh, you might have to have membership agreements and partnership agreements. And this is not something to do because you're friends with somebody. Um, what I, what yeah. Here's what I want to dive in on here. Uh, most often, businesses start with an idea person and a money person. Mm. And this is why I wanted to finish this thought, this thought up mm-hmm. really tight. <sighs> often, the idea person lacks the business acumen the sales skills or the financial backing mm-hmm. to get this thing off the ground. Okay. Yeah. So now they turn to Joe Blow or their friend or their neighbor or whoever who has deeper pockets yeah. and say, hey, I'll bring you as a partner and, uh, and I'm going to take off. Okay. So I'm not going to use any names, um, but I have a personal relationship of somebody that would not be offended if I brought this up. So I'll, I'm going to tell the story of how these things go badly when not that out completely. 
So there was a guy, I'll just say a, a well guy in Texas. And let's be honest, a water. well guy? Well digger. A well digger. Like okay. literally a well driller digger. That's what he's done for Kay. 20 years. And this well guy, uh, and, and I honestly believe, by the way, water is the next oil of Texas. I really believe that. Um, so this guy has been in the industry for, you know, ever. And he started noticing. So when you, when you drill a, a water well, and I only know this because I've got several on my ranch and my property, um, that just because you stick a, a straw on the ground doesn't mean the water pressure is the same, mm. <laughs> right? Like you're above an aquifer, you're not, you're above two or three, you've got lots of water, you have a little bit of water, or you've got no water. You can stick draw straws in the ground, right? So this guy has done this for 20 years, and he starts to notice as he's hitting certain areas, like 10x the water volume per minute and gallons per minute than in other areas of the South Texas area that he, that he was servicing. So he started to scatter graphic. He just, in his office, he would just have a map of, the, of where he was at. I'm not going to get into details. And he would literally scatter plot, like I drilled this well with crazy water. I drilled this well, it had none. I drilled this one. And he started to notice that this trend was in this little vein, there was a crazy amount of water. And he realized that uh, this specific city in South Texas, uh, could, uh, this could be a big deal. So he wanted to start buying all the ranches mm. on this area quietly because he knew that there was a volume of water underneath it that eventually if, if, if you get water rights, he could sell to the city. Oh, okay. Kay? And this is a well digger. So think about idea, opportunity, recognition. Mm. It's probably something we should talk about too is recognizing the opportunity. Um, but he didn't have the money to buy ranches, right? right? right. So I guess he called up his attorney. So he called up his attorney and said, hey, this is, what I, this is what my idea is. This is what I think we should talk about. I want to be partners. And so he had his attorneys drop the articles of incorporation. They had the money. They quietly bought up thousands of acres of, of the area in this, in this area that he had identified as this is a lot of water. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then they, and they had the water rights, and they had enough, and they called up the city, and they got a – multi-hundred million dollar contract for water rights for the next 50 years. Wow. Okay. And part of um, having a corporation is you you have to renew your, um, you know, every year you got to pay your dues for the state. You got to file your taxes. You got to do these things to keep the entity alive. Okay. So the attorneys were smart and crooked. Oh no. And it wasn't his job to keep the entity alive. Mm. And so when the entity died because it wasn't renewed, the attorneys grabbed all of it oh and said no. and said this is our this is our shit. Oh no. It took 10 years and the little man won. So the good the good story is Damn. the guy imagine being a well digger standing in a, in a jury of its peers in Texas. Right. Saying Dirty lawyers, Dirty, yeah, little oil, ma- little right. uh, water uh, well digger. Yeah, he won a gargantuan amount of money and all the water rights back. Oh, so wow. the story ended very well. That's good. And uh, I got to be there the night that he won the the lawsuit, <laughs> and that was a great night to be a part <laughs> of. I, I didn't. Say. It was a great <laughs> night to be a part of. Wow. Um, but uh. so you go, you go to understanding like the law side of things, yeah, and not having the people that are mm. benefiting the partners be that the partner. create the entity that is a very, is a very big good lesson. learning lesson yeah 
one key here is who maintains control. There's something called a general partnership. Okay. Mm. So you've got partners and you've got a general partner. So you could have a limited liability partnership that has 50 or 100 or 1,000 people that all have small percentage ownership of this company. But the general partner typically makes the rules, is the shot caller. When it comes to a tie, they make the, the, the call. You right. could literally own more of the company, and the general partner can say, nope, you're fired. Really? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The general partner is in charge. Hmm. So um, what happens so a lot So the majority partner is not always the general, general partner. The general, like, and quite often those entities will have, like our company, there's a, a 1% general partner. The, the 1% general partner ultimately makes all the makes rules. All the Right. I did not know but that. there's 99 percent up for grabs for the limited partners. And I've got a lot of it. And mm-hmm. my partner is a lot of it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the one percent general partner is the shot caller. Right. Wow. So this is where you have to. I would always say if I were to pick in this legal structure setup, mm-hmm. if it's your idea, you pick your CPA and your attorney to help you formulate the best company structure for you where you retain control. And then go pick a partner. And then pitch the partner. Then pitch the partner. Yeah. I like it. So that is something through personal experience (laughs) that I've experienced and not experienced that I learned that's both good and bad. And uh, I'll tell you that this is, we're going to stop for this episode because we're running a little bit long, but I I was speaking very slowly, which I typically don't do. Because I cannot yes. drive this point home far enough yeah. that you don't do fucking legal Zoom for something that is a company for you that yeah. has the potential for growth. You yeah. want to do something that's going to be a side gig? Okay. Right. You want to have something that has the potential for legs? Unfortunately, if money can separate families, right. it can for sure separate right. business partners. Good point. Good point. If, if siblings will fight over a dollar... Don't expect a partner that's been your best right. friend for 15 years of your childhood right. to not steal. Like, it's just the truth. Yeah. So this protection piece is the last thing we'll talk about today. That was huge. But that was um, huge. final thoughts about this episode. Um, I thought it was really fun and lots of good information and um, like tactical stuff, too. Like, I feel like you explained it very simply and um yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to continue the thoughts. So the next episode, we'll finish off with, what is it, three more? Three more bullet points? Three to eight. Three to eight bullet <laughs> points. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, I'm long-winded, <laughs> but I, that things come to me as we go. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's great. I think that's what's f- super fun about a podcast in general. So um, continue listening, and we want to hear your thoughts on this. So leave your comments. Email us at sigmundsense at gmail.com if there's anything additional you want to add or anything that um, we you know we didn't cover or that you disagree with, wh- I mean, whatever it is. Um, that's where you can contact us and uh, stay tuned for the next episode where we cover the rest of these awesome. And thank you for joining us. We're having a lot of fun doing this. Um, Like subscribe, share, 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 share. Absolutely. We have a new goal that we want to hit by the end of the year. And so um, the more you could share, the better it is for us. And we really appreciate it. And uh, uh, if if you're enjoying this, please don't keep it a secret, but we'll see you next time on Sigmund sense. Take care. Cheers.